that we have this morning, I want you to consider the topic from complaint to celebration. From complaint to celebration. Have you ever wanted to quit? I mean, have you ever wanted to turn in your letter of resignation, pack up your stuff on your desk, throw your keys on the desk, and say, I'm out, I quit. Have you ever been so disgusted, so dismayed, so alarmed, and so angry that you said, I'm throwing in the towel? 
I'm done with these folk. I'm not wasting my time, my energy, my money, my peace, my sanity, or my tears. One more minute. I'm done. I quit. So you've worked all these years to finally make it to the corner office, to the supervisory position, to that educational level that you always wanted to achieve. But once you get the promotion, the once-in-a-life opportunity, once you get the letters behind your name, the folks you thought were your ace boon coon suddenly turn on you like a pack of ravenous wolves. <laughs> they question your authority, and, 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 and they ride you about every decision you make. They say, now don't think you all that now that you've gotten to that place. And at first you try to deal with it. You say, well, I'm sure they just mean the best, but it quickly becomes apparent that they're working against you. And, 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 and they're actively trying to sabotage your efforts. They uh, have become backstabbers, smiling in your face while trying to take your place. Y'all know that song. And you say, forget this headache, I'm done, I'm quit, I'm out. Or you've put all that time into that romantic relationship. You've done the work. You were there when no one else was there. You answered their call when no one would answer their call. Uh, you believed in them when they didn't even believe in themselves. You've been their prayer partner, private chef, fashion consultant, administrative assistant, personal financier, and cheerleader all rolled into one. But now she says, you're sweet, but I don't really know. I'm not really feeling you. Or now he says, uh, I'm not sure if you're really the one. And you say to yourself, you should have figured that out before I put three, four, five years of my time, energy, and effort into this relationship. And you say, you know what, since you're not sure, I'm going to help you be sure. I'm done. I'm out. I quit. Or if I haven't walked down your street yet, you've been in church all your life. You sang in the Sunbeam Choir. You ushered with the junior ushers. You uh, worked with the young adult ministry. Uh, uh, you went to Sunday school. You went to Bible study. You went to BYPU or whatever y'all called it down here. Uh, uh, you did all of that. You always went to spring revival. You always went to fall revival. And you made sure that you had your row uh, full for the pew rally. Somebody know what I'm talking about? You did everything you were supposed to do. Uh, then you get the word that uh, sickness has taken over a loved one. And that sickness has turned into a terminal diagnosis. And, th and that terminal diagnosis has uh, developed uh, and, 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 and has become death. And from the death, you've developed a depression, a despair, a despondency that you didn't know you could ever feel. And you say, God, I prayed that prayer, and you didn't answer it. You say, God, I've been calling out to you, and it seems like you're silent. You say, God, why won't you hear? my cry ah if you're honest with yourself so now you say you know what God since you won't answer me I'm done I quit I'm out you know I, I, I know we're all uh, saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit up in here but if we would just be honest with ourselves sometime and if we decided to testify instead of test a lie 
if we would tell the truth on this morning, we would all admit that there are times in this life when you're done, when you want to quit, when you want to throw in your keys, when you want to throw in the towel, you want to pick up your marbles and go home. And if you felt like that, if you feel like that right now, I tell you, you're not alone. You're not alone because as we thumb through the pages of the Old Testament and as we make our way to the book of uh, Jeremiah and as we go down to the 20th chapter, we find a brother named Jeremiah who feels uh, the way you felt. He feels like some of us are feeling right now. In fact, Jeremiah says, I'm done. I'm tired. In fact, I want to throw in the towel. I want to quit. You see, because Jeremiah has served God his whole life, his whole life, from the time he was a little boy, he faithfully listened and heeded the word of God. He walked in his call and he walked in his assignment. You see, Jeremiah preached with prophetic consciousness. And if you've been coming on Wednesdays, you know what that's about. He preached with prophetic consciousness and he spoke truth to power. He preached what thus saith the Lord when folks wanted to hear it. And he preached what thus saith the Lord when the folks didn't want to hear it. And the truth be told, that was the majority of the time. Jeremiah had been lied on, cheated, talked about, mistreated. Uh, he'd been buked, scorned, talked about sure as he was born more times than he can count. In fact, when we begin the 20th chapter of the book of Jeremiah, he has been beaten and put into the stocks, put in the jail by religious leadership because they want to stop him from preaching the word of God. So they beat him. They put him in jail. Then they let him out. And as soon as he gets out, uh, he says, I'm still going to preach the word of the Lord and he shares with them a word of doom and gloom. So by the time we make it down here to the seventh verse, uh, something happens. And Jeremiah has been preaching uh, for a long time. But by the time we get to the seventh verse in this uh, text, something happens. And Jeremiah has an a, a emotional and a mental and a spiritual break. If you read the text, it looks like the last incident was the last straw, and Jeremiah goes off. I mean, if you really look at the text, this is what's going on. He lodges a formal complaint against God because he says God has deceived him. Jeremiah feels like he's been hoodwinked, bamboozled led astray because God pushed him into the messiness of ministry. Because Jeremiah didn't call himself. No, God did that when he knit him in his mother's womb a long time ago. Jeremiah did not call himself. Jeremiah didn't give himself the assignment. No, God did that when he called him as a boy and said, I'm raising you up, Jeremiah, to preach the word of God. Jeremiah didn't call himself to be a prophet. No, God did that when God touched his lips and put in him the word a word that burns like fire in his belly. But after all this, Jeremiah is tired. Jeremiah wants to quit. Jeremiah says, God, I didn't ask for it. You touched me and you gave me this passion. You gave me this prose. You gave me this poetry. You gave me the pain of ministry. God, you did it. And Jeremiah has a complaint. Jeremiah says, God, you overpowered me. 
you pushed me into this. And now all the people, they're laughing at me. Every time I open my mouth, they say, what, what is he going to say this time? We tired of hearing all that doom and all that gloom. And all I get for telling folks what you told me to tell them, God, is they talk about me. They whisper behind my back. Jeremiah lobs complain after complain after complain against God. Uh, and sometimes, if we're honest, don't we feel like that? Church life will throw some stuff your way that makes you want to holler. Life will hand you some mess that makes you want to get out a piece of paper and lodge a formal complaint against God. Life will throw you some stuff if you just keep on living. Ah, and some people in your life, and it'll make you want to quit. But then something interesting happens in the text. Uh, The text tells us that in order to make it through, if you felt like uh, Jeremiah, and if, if you feel like you're just drowning in a sea of complaining, something interesting happens in the text. And the text tells us, if you want to make it from complaint to celebration, uh, that what you have to do is you got to do three things. And those three things are, you've got to remember your call. You've got to revive your commitment. And you've got to refocus on your creator. So first, the text tells us we have to remember our call. You see, in verses 7 and 8, Jeremiah lodges complain after complaint against God. But then in verse 9, Jeremiah says, but if I say I'm not going to preach anymore, if I say forget it, I quit, something wells up in me, and it feels just like fire. Shut up in my bones. It's too much for me trying to hold it in, so I got to let it out. You see, church, something begins to happen as Jeremiah hurls his complaints against God, and those are lamentations. He's telling God, God, I have an issue, and he has the kind of relationship with God that he can tell God what's on his mind. And so as he complains, a shift begins to occur in his psyche. And as he is in the process of complaining to God, as Jeremiah is getting all his fears and frustrations out, that's called venting, y'all. And sometimes it's healthy to vent. As he gets it all out, the complaining becomes therapeutic to him. And he's reminded as he complains of the call that God placed on his life. You see, some people believe we're not supposed to question God. Some people think you're not supposed to ask God anything. You're not supposed to tell God that you have an issue with how things have worked out. But can I let you in on a little secret? My God is big enough to handle your questions. God is big enough to handle uh, your complaint. So uh, as Jeremiah begins to talk to the Lord, and as he goes through the process of dealing with the stuff that he's dealing with, as he becomes authentic and real, and as he stops trying to play with God, and I don't know why we play with God and lie to God, because God made us and shaped us and knows all about us. So why would we try to fool God? And through the process of complaining, he's reminded Hold up, God, I'm complaining about all this stuff. But I remember that you called me. I didn't call myself. You called me to this work. You called me to this ministry. You called me to this job. You called me to this marriage. You called me to do this work. 
Ah, and because you called me, ah, I think I'll be able to stand. Because you called me to this assignment, ah, I realize that I can't go back. I won't go back to where I used to be. See, some of us are struggling with some things right now and dealing with some situations and circumstances, and we want to turn around and go back. But the Spirit is saying, no, nah, baby, you can't go back. You can't go backwards. You got to keep on moving forward. I know it's hard right now. I know the work is hard. I know the ministry is hard. I know the assignment is hard. Ah, but if you would just remember the call that I placed on your life, if you'll just remember what I saw in you when I picked you for this assignment, if you'll just remember that, then the call, the assignment will well up in you like fire in your bones. So church, I know uh, that's how you know when you've really been called to an assignment. When you want to give up, when you want to go home, when you want to turn in the towel, but you just can't do it. Sometimes you want to quit, but God says, no, you got to sit right there. Sit right there and just let me work. Uh, when you know you've been called, uh, although the work may get worrisome, the load may get heavy, and the trials may seem too tough to shoulder, remember your call. So first, you've got to remember your call, but second, you've got to revive your commitment. You see, when you look at this passage of Scripture, and indeed the entire experience of the prophet Jeremiah, what we come to understand is that Jeremiah has been preaching for 40 years, and Jeremiah's never got one convert. Think about that. You've done this for 40 years, and nobody will listen to a word that you have to say. He's been preaching, and when he preaches out of a prophetic consciousness, the people say, we don't want to hear that. Uh, uh, Jeremiah was preaching judgment and justice, and the people wanted to hear, name it and claim it. Jeremiah was preaching, repent from your sins, and the people just wanted to hear, uh, you're amazing just as you are. Uh, Jeremiah was preaching, you're going into exile because you refused to heed the word of the Lord, and the people only wanted to hear, you're next in line for a miracle. So naturally, naturally, Jeremiah's, you know what, I'm tired, I'm going to quit. Because the truth of the matter is, he had been preaching for 40 years, and it seemed like folks wasn't listening to him, listening to him. So he assumed, maybe I don't have the right stuff. Maybe I don't have what it really takes to get the job done. Maybe, just maybe, I didn't hear the still, small voice. Maybe I don't have uh, the right stuff to complete the assignment. But once Jeremiah remembered his call, then he was able to revive his commitment because he realized, if you called me to the work, God, you're going to equip me to do the work. So really, I'm not responsible for the outcome. I'm responsible for doing the work. You see, sometimes we think that we're responsible for everything. We're responsible to get them here, bring them in the door, make sure they listen, make sure they do everything they're supposed to do. We think in our lives that we're responsible for taking care of everybody. We're responsible for mothering everybody. We're responsible for making sure that everybody has what they're supposed to have. And the truth of the matter is, sometimes you're just supposed to drop that seed. You drop the seed. 
and somebody else will come along and put a little fertilizer on it. Somebody will come along and water that, that seed, and before you know it, it's beginning to grow. You see, Jeremiah thought that he was responsible for the outcome, and then he realized, no, I can revive my commitment because I've been taking stuff on my shoulders that's too big for me to take on. See, I'm just little old Jeremiah, but God is a big old God. And so Jeremiah was reminded, uh, because he remembered his call, that he was able to revitalize his commitment because he realized that God had given him everything he needed, everything he needed uh, to do what he needed to do. So I ask you the question today, are you struggling under the strain of your call? your assignment, whether it be in the church or outside the church, whether it be in the home or at the school or in your marriage, are you struggling with the call? And I've got a word for you. Just do the work and let God do the rest. Are you going through in your marriage? Are you going through with your spouse? Are you going through with your children? Are you going through as you endeavor to take care of your parents? Ah, don't despair. Just do the work. And God will do the rest. Uh, are you capsizing under flood, uh, floods of despair and, and, and disappointment, disgust and grief? Just do the work and let God do the rest. Just do the work because the Bible says, in fact, Jeremiah calls God the fearsome warrior. Let the fearsome warrior fight your battles. Because I believe that the Bible says, in fact, I know it says it, that God will be Jehovah Nisi. God will be your banner of victory. So why would you try to fight your battles when God has already declared that the war is over? You just have to walk in faith and do the work and let God do the rest. So, number one, you've got to remember your call. Number two, you've got to revive your commitment. But finally, you've got to refocus your attention on your creator. You see, all the way through this chapter of Jeremiah 20, Jeremiah has been lodging complaint after complaint towards God, and he he has a right to complain because it seems like he's been dealt a pretty uh, rough time. And Jeremiah says, uh, I'm done because you pushed me, God. Jeremiah says, I'm done because these folks are trifling and they don't listen to anything I say. Jeremiah says, I'm done because these people have turned their backs on me. I'm done, God. I'm done, God. I'm done, God. And for every complaint that Jeremiah uh, lodges, there's an I in front of it. How he feels, what he wants what he thinks he needs. And every time Jeremiah says, I, that means that Jeremiah wasn't looking at the I am. Every time Jeremiah says, I, he's focusing on the problem instead of the one who can heal and take care of the problem. As Jeremiah says, I, He's so overwhelmed with his circumstances, so inundated by the situation, so overcome by uh, his grief about what's going on in his life that he stopped looking at the one who made him. He stopped paying attention to the one that flung the stars in the sky. He stopped paying attention to the one that shaped him in his mother's womb. 
But I believe if I use my spiritual imagination that as Jeremiah started to think about that thing, and, and, and he realized that God was the fearsome warrior because as we move through the chapter and we get to verse 13, Jeremiah says, but I'm going to sing praises to God. But I'm going to celebrate the fact that God will deliver the weak from the wicked. And if I think about that thing, and I, I, I think what Jeremiah did was Jeremiah said, oh, let me look back over my life. Let me look back over what God has already done for me. Let me think about the fact that when I was a boy, God called me and plucked me up out uh, of obscurity and he put me on a national stage. I was a child, but he put me in grown places and he took care of me. I think Jeremiah thought about the time that when he wanted to quit and he said, Lord, I'm burned out. I don't have a word to give the people. And God said in Jeremiah 18, well, then go on down to the potter's house. And when you get to the potter's house, uh, Jeremiah, when you get down there and you start thinking about how broken you are, how messed up you are, how messed up the situation is uh, for the people. If you look at what the potter is doing, if you take a look at that clay that has been marred on the potter's wheel, and then you see how that potter, the human potter, reworks that clay into something that can be useful. Jeremiah, if you take a look at that, then you'll realize that I am the eternal potter. And I can rework any mess in your life into, into a situation for my glory. You see, I felt like Jeremiah, y'all. I felt like Jeremiah. I've been in this ministry for 22 years and I can vividly remember when I reported for seminary at Virginia Union School of Theology. I had my little pennies together and I had put them to the side and uh, I was gonna be all right uh, for a few months until my scholarship and, and my financial aid hit my account. But you know, Virginia Union is the HBCU. I ain't saying, I'm just saying. It just took a little minute for it to get there. And while I was waiting on the financial aid, while I was waiting on my scholarship, hey, the car payment came due. And I had more a uh, 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 month at the end of the month than I did money. And I lost my car. I ain't ashamed to tell you. They took it on back. But you know what God did for me? God gave me another car. And that car was paid for. And I didn't have to make a note on that. I can remember when I lost a job for speaking truth to power in prophetic consciousness. And I had a mortgage that God had blessed me with. And I went nine months not knowing where the money was going to come from. And I was living in Virginia. And y'all, it gets cold in the winter in Virginia. So for nine months, I was wondering, how am I going to keep the heat on? am I going to take care of my obligations? And for nine months, I had very little money coming in, but I had a big God. And after nine months, my light stayed on every day. My heat was on every day. I didn't miss a meal. And I actually gained 40 pounds because God fed me that well. I can look back over my life and see when folks said you'll never preach because you're a woman. And I look at the places that God has set me, the doors God has opened. I look at the doors that God closed and I begin to bless God's name. 
I begin to sing praises unto my God because I am reminded that when I wanted to quit, when I wanted to give up, the fire set up in my belly. Hey, it was burning like fire in my bones and I couldn't let it go. I wouldn't let it go. I've loved folks that didn't love me back. I've been faithful to folks who weren't faithful. I've served in places where they threw my service in their face. Hey, I've told people they want to remain unteachable. I've preached to people that did not want to hear the word of the Lord. But, but when I thought about it, when I thought about how God kept me, about how God has blessed me. I have to praise God's name. So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what situation makes you feel like you want to quit. But you better open your mouth. You better bless God's name. Because God's been too good. God's been too kind. God's been too faithful. God's been blessing you every day of your life. So change your complaining to celebration. Celebrate what God has done. Celebrate what God is doing. Celebrate what God will do. Ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Hey, he's all right. You better bless God and turn your complaint into celebration.